You're not utilizing that talent if you don't move that person into division or a subsidiary or whatever it is where they can really flourish. Now, obviously, this person has to be an A player, and you'll see that in whatever role you put them in. An A player shines. Hello, my friend, and welcome to this Business Monday episode of A Call to Leadership. So glad you're here. We've been attacking a series called So You're Going Out of Business around this idea from Six Sigma of waste. Now, waste doesn't sound too glamorous, but if we have too much waste, we can go out of business. So it really is essential we identify areas of waste and eliminate them. And one is called non-utilized talent. That's what we're going to cover in these next two episodes. What does that mean? It means that some of our employees' skills, capabilities might go unnoticed, might go under or unutilized. We might have a decline in our employee engagement, in our productivity. All of that is important because once we can turn the corner, we can identify and leverage our team's untapped potential. We can create dynamic, collaborative work cultures and ultimately improve our business performance. So don't miss out. I've invited Joe Thompson to join me back on the show, who is an expert in this area. And I can't wait for you to listen in. I'm Dr. Nate Sala, and this is A Call to Leadership. Joe, welcome back. Hey, nice to be back. So we've got our series we were working on called, So You're Going Out of Business. And uh, we say it kind of cheekily, but people go out of business all the time. And companies go out of business for a variety of reasons. However, it all boils down to one thing, and that's money. Mm-hmm. Once you run out of money, it's over. Yeah. It's the blood flow, right? Now, it's not the end all in terms of why we do business. We don't just do business because we want to make money. But money is a necessary fuel for the worthy cause, i.e. the product, the service, whatever it is, the problem we're solving in the marketplace. And people generally don't equate money or the bottom line, having cash after we've covered all of our expenses to continue to fuel the business. And we don't think about one aspect of business that may not seem very sexy. Nope. It's even got an ugly name. (laughs) Right. Waste. Waste. Yeah. But we've really covered a lot of ground. And if you're listening, you haven't listened to the first several episodes, put those in the show notes so you know which episodes those are to tune into. Not necessarily that you have to listen to them in any particular order, but Joel likes this order because they form an acronym. Downtime. Downtime. Yeah. So we did uh, defects, overproduction, and waiting. So we got our D-O-W-N today, which is non-utilization of talent. Right. Yeah. And if you're really geeky... You could play, instead of playing horse when you're playing basketball, you could play downtime <laughs> with the team, with your yeah. business team. <laughs> there you go. I like that. You like that? Yeah, We're going to yeah. start playing downtime. <laughs> <laughs> Non-utilization of talent. That's a mouthful. Yes. It's so important. Some would argue it's the most important. I definitely would argue it's the most important thing in a business. Yeah. Yeah. Let's break it down. So how do we describe talent? So 
we like to use this term called a players. Okay. And they're the exceptional. They're the expert. And I don't care what role it's in. I don't care what the role is. I want an a player in that role. So this is a person who does their job with one, a belief in your core values, not a buy-in, a belief in your core values, a person who is very efficient at their job and a person who, if they see a problem that slows down production, customer service, your service business, that they bring it to someone who can fix it or they work on solutions and they bring it to a meeting where they say, Hey, this is slowing us down. This is a problem. So a problem solver is a great way to identify an A player. Let's start with the very first one. These are so important because I think we need to get this foundation laid out. Mm-hmm. The belief versus the buy-in. Someone listening is belief. like, oh, I thought I just needed to get everybody bought in because that was really good. And you're saying it's good to get people bought in. but it's- Your B player will <laughs> buy in. Right. buy in. It's good. Yeah, your B player is going to buy in, right? That's good. A player is going to believe. Yeah. Your B player buys in because they want a paycheck, right? They'll buy in because this is what we have to do in order for, you know, Mr. and Mrs. CEO to pay us. An A player believes in the core values of your company. So if they believe in them, then they are teaching and expressing those beliefs to the people around them. Yeah. And you're really evangelizing people into your core beliefs when you have A players, they don't buy in, they believe it. Yeah, and it's important you bring that up because we talk a lot about core values, which are essential for building a culture. Hopefully your core values are building a healthy culture. And if you don't have your values, you need them because without those boundaries and borders, you cannot have the kind of order that creates the consistency and harmony or perfection in some ways we like to describe the deliverables. But the other part is they can be called principles and they can also be called beliefs. And I heard it said like this, you and I talked about this before. I had a colleague and we did a group study at one of the universities I was teaching on and it was called, it was about faith and learning. And he made the argument, which I love the way he described it, that to believe something is to be living it. So if you're not living it in this context, you probably don't really believe it. Mm-hmm. And so living it out, right? Living out these values. And so you can have at least three different kinds of people in your organization. This is something I've spoken about before. You can either have a combative person who is going to... The worst. The worst, right? <laughs> Sabotage <laughs> and argue not for the point of productivity, for the point of destruct. Activity, yeah. if that's yeah. even a word, right? Um, Gary Uckel talked about this in one of his books on leadership. And so that's a person who, what I would consider, is an anathema. Yeah. You want to reduce, eliminate that individual. It's a cancer. A cancer. It. Completely. Mm-hmm. It's gone. Cannot help you grow your business or accomplish your mission. And I call them a cancer because they're infectious. They can take a good player and make them a bad player. Because the pot stirring and the non-belief. Mm-hmm. So keep that in mind. We agreed. And they do not buy in. 
No. At all. You've got your second kind of person who is compliant. Now, this person does buy in. They want a paycheck. They will work whatever their agreed upon contract they is. They will work within their terms. Within the terms. Of their agreement, yes. Right, which is fine. No more, no less. And this person isn't going to train wreck your organization. However, this person is going to advance. <laughs> They're steady. <laughs> They're steady. And you need them in some places, those steady players. But as soon as I can find an A player for that B player, I'm swapping them right. out. Because they're swapping out. They're looking for yes. a different opportunity too. Absolutely. Right? They're not the people who likely will be with you through all of the challenges that you will face. And you will face if you have not already faced as an organization. Mm-hmm. And you've got your third kind of person. And again, there's caveats and variants with all, all of these lanes. This is your committed person so you've got your combative you've got your compliant and then you have your committed and this is a person who you just breathe a sigh of relief as soon as they are on your team with their expertise with their experience in their genius zone believing in the mission the vision the values in such a way that the way i like to describe it they solve problems you did not know you had Yeah. Feels good. That's great. (laughs) When you find that person, and it's hard to find that person, but man, when you do the efficiencies that just exude from them are keeps other parts of your company from having to concentrate any effort in those areas. So now an A player will free up several B players, right? And we don't have the cancers. Let's hope not. If you're listening to this and you have a cancer in your company, go fire them today. Right? Don't even hesitate. Just go down there. We no longer need you. Uh, They're doing more damage than good. Get rid of them. Yeah. I think of someone in particular who was on my team many years ago and interestingly said they ascribed to the core values. And because you could have a combative person or the cancerous person who will say, I really do believe in your core values. But again, if we, if we use the def- definition that you're living them, and if you're not living them, then you don't really truly believe in them. And this person, unfortunately, had alcohol addiction and came into the office several times drunk and kind of tough to do accounting work effectively. Yes. Most anything, when when you can't even sit up straight and see clearly. I mean, (laughs) okay, I apologize for that. (laughs) Sorry, we had to let you go, Joe. (laughs) And I had to terminate the contract. I mean, this was cancerous to the organization, right? Not only for the purpose of, and it was sad because I really tried, I really deeply desired to help this person. This person didn't want my help. And it's not only an issue with the work that's being done. But as you said, the cancer spreads in all different areas. It's not even that that person is saying things about the company. It just spreads because of your leadership. You know, are you able to lead a leadership that everyone is rowing in the same direction and there's not someone poking holes, whether it's inadvertently or on purpose, 
in your ship, which is going to sink. Yeah. And I don't mean to be offensive in using the word cancer because I've had people say, hey, how can you compare, you know, a business and cancer? You know, I've gone through cancer and it, I use the word because it is a life saver. I mean, companies that employ thousands of people, right, that are brought down, you know, little by little by these cancerous employees, it does end the livelihood of a lot of people if that company closes. So, yeah, I don't mind using that word because, you know, when I go in and fix the company, I've saved jobs, uh, you know, exponentially, all the family members that rely on that person to do that work, you know, over a career of helping businesses stay in, in place. We have, you know, saved lives almost yeah. when you look at it. And the business is more important than any one person. Right. Even myself as a leader, the mission, the worthy cause, the justification for our existence is more valuable than the business dying because someone is not does not belong on that team. Right. And that's okay. Not everybody belongs on the team. So this is what we're talking about when we're talking about the people part, right? Right. So let's talk about the waste. Okay. Here's the waste. And we'll, we'll look at it from a having someone in your company that has a certain expertise, okay, that you're not utilizing. So let's say you have engineer that's working and doing paperwork, right? Probably not a good fit for that engineer type person. You might want to have them somewhere like in your systems creation part of your company. So it's really identifying you know, people apply to jobs, and I've seen lots of resumes over years. People will apply to job just because they want to get out of what they're doing and get into something new. And then, you know, you see some value in this person and you hire them for whatever the role is. And you can kind of tell that this isn't their expertise, right? And you're not utilizing that talent if you don't move that person into division or subsidiary or whatever it is where they can really flourish. Now, obviously this person has to be an A player. Okay. And you'll see that in whatever role you put them in, you know, an A player shines, whether they're, you know, sweeping the floor or in the boardroom, an A player will shine. So too often, We don't look at the employees. They have the answers, right? So maybe we don't get to know our employees well enough. And if we don't get to know them well enough and their habits and how they work, and if they believe in these core systems, we might not get to know whether or not they're in their genius zone, right? So this person is wasting their talents. That's why it's waste in this particular position that you have them in and they should be moved where they can utilize those talents. Yeah. So that's really the waste. This wasn't always one of the eight ways. There's a bunch of different ways in lean management. We identify eight of them because they're the main eight. 
It used to just be seven. They would identify seven. Non-utilization of talented person was put in later because obviously you start to realize that the keystone of your business are your employees, right? So let's take a look at the employees and see if they're any good. Because if you have a carpenter who can't hit a nail, you know, it's not the right guy, but maybe he can draw blueprints. Let's have him draw blueprints. See what I mean? Right. So that's why it becomes a waste. I like how you mentioned getting to know your people and knowing your role in an organization because you may be in a company and you're a great technician, but you're also, you own the company. You may not have the bandwidth to get to know your people and you need management and leadership in place who will do that. It's okay for you to remain a technician. Sometimes you hire someone who's a CEO of the company. And I've seen this in organizations. I've seen this some of the consulting work I've done to where a business, an owner is in the field doing technical work and they're not able to utilize their talent. Their talent is being really squandered, right? And another factor is sometimes you may not be a technician. Maybe you're an absentee owner and you've checked out. And I've seen this before where sometimes an employee maybe was sick for a couple of weeks and the owner didn't even know. Wow. Yeah. And it's like, and the owner was not an absentee owner by their designated role, right? And so having your finger on the pulse, your people, so that you can properly identify where they're strongest and put them in that position. Otherwise, you're setting them up for failure. Mm. You're creating issues in the expectations and the experience. Every touch point that someone interacts with your brand, whether it's internal or external, any stakeholder is going to have an inconsistency, which reduces the level of possible trust that you're going to have. And it affects the bottom line. All of those are aspects of it. So spend time with your people. Prepare, do inventories, whether it be uh, sometimes it's a disk assessment or a PI. We talked about the predictive index and there are other assessments which assess their drives, assess their capabilities, assess their desires because a person may not even want that role, maybe well-suited for it based on their expertise, but they may not want to work in that role. There's that factor too, right? That happens. It happens. But an A player will adapt. Mm -hmm. Okay. So if you identify their expertise and they don't want to be in there, an A player, you can say, okay, to, all right, let's see if you can create an expertise in this area. Set some KPIs, right. you know, this is our expectations. Yeah and see if they meet them. If they step up to it, then great. If not, you know, they're in the wrong role. Mm -hmm. And if they can't admit that to themselves and they can't perform to the task that you're giving them, then, you know, unfortunately they have to move or move on. Yeah, I'm not fast to fire people. Not something that I go into a company and do. People who first meet me think I'm a hammer and then they realize I'm a scalpel. I cut out the bad parts of the company and we get rid of that and then we rebuild there. Yeah. So it's important to, especially with managers, if you can identify a player managers that will take the time 
like you don't have the bandwidth will take the time to get to know their people. And I mean, know them as people, not just as your worker, right? You get to know them as people. You'll start to understand their drive, their intention, you know, that all makes a difference on your approach to where they're going to make you the most money in your company and where their expertise may lie. And also having a long range view of their development because they may be in a transitional period as a players in different roles as the organization grows and changes. I think of John Lasseter, for example, with Pixar, he was making shorts demoing the CGI equipment that was being sold at Pixar. Well, one won an award and then it moved on to partner with Disney. Disney incidentally actually fired John Lasseter, <laughs> which they regretted later because they tried to rehire him. Now they didn't good. identify yeah. his expertise. That's what happened. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and it's true, Joe, because Lasseter's genius was storytelling <laughs> and some historians even suggest that to the level of Walt himself, phenomenal storyteller. And Disney was losing animators because their animation was starting to tank in the 80s. And they got rid of Lassiter. They didn't realize that they just gave away the most prolific storyteller of that age, especially with Pixar's rise, Toy Story and Monsters, Inc. and so on, and hit after hit after hit, Finding Nemo, all the brain work of John Lasseter. And so that's another aspect of either underutilization or lack of recognition even. Yeah, identification. Identification. Yeah, if you have someone in the company, whether they're in HR or hopefully a direct manager that is not selfish. There has to be a lack of selfishness. And the reason I say that is if I'm working a department and I have an A player, okay, and I have them on some menial task and they're doing a great job at it, right? And I know that over in this other department, there's a position that they would really be great at. But I'm too selfish to let that person go because, hey, you know, I got somebody they're doing a task that, you know, maybe isn't within their genius zone, but they're good at it. You're hurting the company by not going to that other department's manager and saying, hey, have you checked out so-and-so? They're doing this job. They're phenomenal at it. But by talking to them, by watching them work, by identifying like what their home lives are like, what their dreams, what their desires are, I think they would be much better suited for, you know, this promotion or this better position or just so you need to make sure if you're a company with divisions you know if you're a company working with separate llc's that you have managers that can define who the person is as a person who they are as a worker and get them in the right position and don't be selfish there's so many times i've seen people caught in a job simply because their manager won't let them go. They pay them enough to keep them right there, but they're really not giving them the opportunity to use their genius, right? right? And some A players develop over time, okay? 
you may hire in a B player, right? And they start learning the role and they can start mastering that role and grow beyond that role. Yeah. And you're really doing them, you know, harm by not allowing them to move on where they can use their genius, maybe somewhere else in the company, if you're a selfish manager. What a way to end. Yes, don't be a selfish manager. Thank you, Joe, for pointing that out. And thank you for supporting this program, being a part of this journey as we unfold, uncover aspects of your leadership in business, in family, in life, so that you can thrive and thrive alongside of many others who you are called to lead. Well, this isn't it. This is only the first of two segments in this fourth installment of Underutilized Talent. Tune in next week for the second installment, or unless you're binge listening, you can tune right into it now. And of course, we've got another episode coming right up on Wednesday. And you're going to love this. Adam McChesney will be on the show. He's going to talk about marketing, social media, uncover some myths. We'll even talk a little bit about some blunders from big companies like Budweiser. Anyhow, join us again. Thank you so much. I'm Dr. Nate Sala, and this is a call to leadership.